This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. John chapter 7. Now remember where we've just been. I know it's been a month because we went through Christmas and New Year, but Jesus had just fed 5,000 people. Well, let me phrase it. 5,000 males, probably close to 25,000 total. Uh, they actually, in Galilee, tried to make him king, like by force, and it says that he left and because they misunderstood what he had come for. And so it's, after all these things, that's what John chapter 7 starts with, verse 1. We're going to read through verse 13. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works, plural, right? That, make, make a little note. We're going to come back to why that's plural. The works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. And since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe him. Mamas and daddies and grandpas and grandmas, let that be a, a hope for you this morning. Jesus' brothers had the best example of anyone. They had Jesus, and they didn't believe him. But here's where the hope is. They would believe him. They would become martyrs in the early church, James being one of. So you guys, you think I, I, I did a terrible job of raising my kids, and that's why they're taking the scenic route to the kingdom? Take hope that Jesus own brothers took the scenic route. You keep praying and you keep being the example and let the Holy Spirit do the leading. Therefore, verse six, Jesus told them, my time is not yet here for you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I am not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he had said this, he stayed in Galilee. Now in verse 10, however, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. And some said, he's a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him because of fear of the leaders. That's God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is a lamp. It's a light. This is not an academic exercise. This is an engaged searching of your word and your promises and the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you make those words come alive to us this morning? We are so thankful for your gift to us of your trustworthy, of your inerrant, of your strong and foundational word from which we can learn which we can be changed of which we can be corrected and admonished and encouraged 
Lord, we are in a community where your name is being lifted high in many places. Lord, would you be with our friends at Thompson Station Church this morning with Pastor Tom McCoy. We stand on his shoulders. He was planting churches in this town long before it was cool. And his faithfulness is a testament of your faithfulness to us. As the other churches and families of God are all one family and lift your name up, so are we a part of that family and lift your name up today. And as we lift you high, as we lift the gospel high, the death, the burial, the resurrection, as we lift that high, you said you would draw all men unto you. So Lord, we do the lifting and we let you do the drawing. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. You're going to see a word in this passage that you're going to see more in the coming days of John, and that's a phrase called the world. If you grew up anywhere around Christianity, you've heard world, worldliness, and it probably has different meanings, and probably all of them are uh, some version of, of truth, but most, at least my definition of the world was, it wasn't less than that, but it is way more than that. And what Jesus has come to do is offer hope for the world. And we live in a world right now that needs that hope. We live in a world where you and I, as followers of Jesus, are, are containers of that hope, and yet, followers of Jesus are, if the Cato Institute is correct, Christians are 77%. Now, you'll notice it says the word strong conservatives, and you think, oh, you're conflating Christians and conservatives. And, and yeah, not all conservatives are, are Christians, and not all Christians are conservatives. But I would say that at the end of the day, someone who believes that God's word is the final authority, that it is perfect in the way that it was given to us. Our job is to conserve this, not add to it. And conserving is a lot of work, by the way. If you own land in Tennessee, you have learned that every day is a battle against nature. Nature wants to take over your fence line, the vines and the weeds and the critters and the, like every day is a battle against nature. So conserving is actually a lot of work. But I bring that up because the actual headline from like The Economist and The New York Times is that 62% of Americans are afraid to speak their mind and to be, speak the truth. But when you parse it out and go to the Cato Institute, it's actually strong conservatives, 77% of strong conservatives are afraid to speak what they think publicly because of fear of losing their jobs, because of fear of losing opportunities, because of fear of being ostracized or marginalized or fear of people tweeting about you or saying mean things. To put it differently, they're afraid because of the leaders. And the leaders, what we've seen in the last few weeks, especially that our leaders in our country were doing massively working very hard behind the scenes to silence strong conservative Christian voices on online platforms like Twitter. And if, uh, point being, if, if we're going to be nervous about speaking truth, do you think, can you see how that might be a plan of the enemy that actually didn't start in 2022, but it started since the beginning of time? I'm afraid to speak up because of what the leaders are going to say about me. 
let's shut up the truth, containers of the truth. And look, there's a cost. But the cost of being silent is far greater. I am far more afraid of the cost of being silent than of the cost of speaking up. We've, we've seen what the cost of being silent is. The cost of being silent is that a, a young lady in Iowa is, thinks that she's a man. She's, I don't know her story. I know she's a teenager. And the cost of being silent is that there are progressive Christian circles out there that are glad to tell her and affirm that, man, you go be a boy. Get the surgery, get the medication, transition. You're 16 years old. I don't know about you. When I was 16, you know how many good decisions I made? None. Like almost every single one. And the ones I made that were good, I just stumbled into them. It wasn't like some well thought out. Do you know what I mean? And there's a reason for that. My frontal lobe was not fully formed until I was 25. My 17-year-old son, I've told him, look, you, know, you got to think of yourself as like you're, like you're missing a limb, and so you can lean on me to walk, but it's your frontal lobe. It's not there yet, so you can lean on my frontal lobe for your decision-making. Unfortunately, his frontal lobe is voting no on that, but, but my point is, is that the culture we're in right now, this, the villains of this story in the Washington Post are the ones who say, this is crazy. That you shouldn't, a teenage girl, let her make that decision and mom's encouraging that decision and some pastors encouraging that. They're the heroes of this story. And in the middle of it, of course, the Washington Post taking a fire across the bow takes the the Rainbow Study Bible from Broadman Holman, which was not meant to be what they are casting it as here. It's been around forever. But they're putting it here as like a shot across the bow that the Rainbow Study Bible ought to be a, 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 a different version of what the truth is. And us being silent for as long as... And I hesitate to use words like the church. Okay, that is about as arrogant of a statement as I can make. Because when I say the church has been silent, I've got tens of hundreds of thousands of Africans going, what are you talking about? We ain't silent. The church in Asia, they're like, we ain't silent. So I'm hesitant to use the word the church, but churches that have decided to be quiet because we didn't want to offend anybody, and we've been asleep at the wheel for too long, have allowed this to be a part of our thing. So what, what I'm getting at is this, that the world has an idea, and the world is that this, this young lady you or I, the world says that you will discover your meaning and your identity inside of you. And inside of you now, you get to decide from you what that decision is and who you are and your identity. And it can change, right? You can get a new one. You can change out an old one. But one thing you can't do is question whether or not it's a teenage girl maybe making the wrong decision. That Here's how we're going to break this down in, in the time that we have. Jesus talks about the world, and I want to show you in these 13 verses what the works of the world are. I want to show you what the hatred of the world is and what the hope of the world is and our role in that 
journey. So the works of the world in verse three, four, five, six. So they have, they're headed up to, uh, they're saying go to Jerusalem, right? And it says now that the, 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 the Jewish leaders have already plotted to kill Jesus. And I, I point that out specifically because Jesus says the world hates me and he's talking about the religious leaders, not only, but including them in it. So when you hear something like, oh, it was the religious leaders and Jesus only spoke up against the religious leaders of that time, that is an inaccurate statement. He spoke up against the world and the worldly ideology that was infiltrating the religious leaders of that time. Rome is going to speak out against him. Uh, Paul, you're going to see that it's not just the Jewish leaders, but they were a part of that. And it's very simple because at the end of the day, the idea of the world itself, whether it was Jewish leaders, whether it was Roman Caesars, or whether it is secular humanism or uh, leftism as the religion side of things, it's all one or other version of saved by works. If I say this right and I get it right enough, then I get to be in. And if I don't, I get to be marginalized and ostracized and shamed. Many of the bad experiences that someone has had inside of a quote-unquote Christian environment was actually just another version of a worldly version of Christianity, not the one that Jesus came to bring. And here's why I would say that, how I say that, because his brothers here say, brothers are not believers yet. Hey, Jesus, go there and show them the works that you do. It was just a few verses earlier, right? Just a few days earlier that when they said, how do we do the works of God, right? What must we do, right, to do the works of God? And Jesus said, John 6, 28, the work singular is to believe, the work of God singular is to believe on the one he sent. That's the work. But the world wants it to be the works, plural. And the list grows and grows and grows. By the time Jesus was walking the earth, the Pharisees had somehow figured out a way to make the, the law, the Torah, the, the law of Moses into 613, I believe is the number, rules and regulations and policies and procedures. Every time, well, we can't do that again. We need a new rule. We need a new law. The works, what must we do to do the works? There's a reason why a television show in our culture called The Office could be made just 10 years ago, 12 years ago, that couldn't be made today because we added more works into the rules of the ways of the world. It's just the way it goes. Now, the question is this. I want to establish this because we're going to hear the word the world again in John 17, John 21. We're going to hear it more, but I want to establish at least this because there's some confusion about what is my job in the world, right? sometimes, and I don't know, sometimes it actually sounds like a good idea that we all need to move down to like Lewisburg and start churning our own butter and wearing woolen pants and just get, you know what I mean, just getting off the grid. Like the Amish maybe had an idea that was worth replicating. I mean, nothing else, the biscuits, I don't know. But the problem with that is there is no, there's no biblical plan that says go bury weapons and hide out until I come. He says, occupy until I come. The world, if anyone hears my words, John 12, 47, and I, he, I didn't come to judge the world, I came to save the world, 
right? Uh, For God so loved the world, John 3, 16. There's this idea in the scripture that we're supposed to love the world and same writer, same Holy Spirit, 1 John 2, 15, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, for the Father is not in them. John 17, 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So does God get to love the world and we don't? Is there a contradiction? Or is it that there, when the Bible uses the word world, two different meanings? And if you don't know that, it's where most of the religiousness of our background came from. If you grew up in any sort of religion, is that we conflate the world all into one meaning. So there's two ways the word world is used in the Bible. It's equivocal. Same word, two different meanings. One, material universe, physical, human world, human society, like uh, the world, terra firma, the earth, beauty, nature, art, music, sex. I know there's kids. Like the, the things that we were, that God made that is good, that we're a part of, we're not supposed to hate that. We're not supposed to withdraw from that. And then there's the spirit of the world, which is the, the version he's talking about right here. The, the system of thinking in which the material world and human world are an end of itself. Those are the two meanings when he says the world. And if you think that he means the world and means everything, the material world and the way of thinking, it could cause confusion. But if you know that those are two different things, you can know that he's talking about the system of the world, the way of thinking, the ideas. And so, again, the world I grew up in, uh, maybe you didn't, but we all had to have our hair cut above our collars uh, to go to Bible college because long hair on a guy, was, it meant that you were, um, that, uh, you were a rock and roll guy. And uh, we had a picture of Jesus on the wall with long hair and no one ever actually thought, I wonder... Why he, you know what I mean? I wonder why he got to have long hair, CJ. You know what I'm saying? But I don't get to. <laughs> but the point is, is we could, we could define worldliness in all these ways and actually miss the real way of it. And the real thing is it's this way of thinking, this way of this philosophy, and is, at the end of the day, it's that this world is all there is. There is nothing else, that this world is all that matters, which if you get to, whether it's Bill Nye, the quasi-science guy, or <laughs> that when you, if you think this is the only thing, this world is it, and there's nothing else, your behavior changes dramatically. I, I want to share with you a, 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 an example that I've heard a couple of different preachers use, and I'd give them credit if I could only remember who it was. Uh, so if you want to Google that and text me, I'll credit them later. But, but listen to this. I probably should have Googled it before. Um, wow, I just slid right by it. Well, you know what? I can't find it. Joe and Jane walk into a room. <laughs> I'm going to try to remember it. Joe and Jane walk into a room. Joe sees a room with 25 people. Jane sees a room with 175 others that he doesn't see. How are they going to behave differently when they're in that room, right? Joe is going to end up tripping over people and stepping over things because he doesn't see them there. Jane is going to sit and talk to empty spaces that Joe doesn't see because there's somebody there, but he doesn't see him there, right? 
So the world, you're going to think that Joe is a jerk and you're going to think Jane is crazy. What does it say in Mark 3, 21 about Jesus? His brothers thought he was crazy. But you behave differently. But the thing is, is that Jane, what's happening with Jane is she sees the full reality. Joe only sees part of reality. And as Christian brothers and sisters, you and I see the whole of reality. We see the world that is not there. We see the world that, I'm sorry, that is there, but it's not in front of our eyes, this eternal word. It's why we pray. It's why we've started this 21 days of prayer and fasting. Do you realize over the last three to five years, especially when a tragedy happens and you, you maybe have shared on someone's social media, hey, I'm praying for you. And maybe somebody puts this comment, oh, we don't need your prayers. Your prayers are worthless. We need your action. That's Joe who doesn't see reality speaking to Jane who sees reality. It's the difference in the Christian faith is that we see it so we're going to behave differently. We see different so we're going to give differently. You all that have given so radically generous to setting slaves free in Asia, to feeding children, you could have bought a bass boat, right? And if there's only 25 people in the room, buy the bass boat. And yeah, we could guilt and shame you into it. Do you ever wonder why we don't pass a bucket and shame you into giving? Because we believe that the Holy Spirit, as he grows and you grow in it, you're going to be just motivated to do that because you know there's a bigger world out there. You know, we don't need to manipulate you into that. But that's, that's what Christians do. It's why factually stated, it is a 100% fact that Christians give infinitely more than non-Christians. It's just a fact. And it's a fact because as a follower of Jesus, you know that the world system is not all there is. Now that said, when you live that way, whether it's praying for people, whether it's our prayer and fasting, whether it's speaking the truth and, and challenging uh, things or stepping into the, into the public arena to, to put your voice, at, whether it's a school board or a city council, whenever you step into those worlds, you're going to be hated. Because if you believe that there's not just this world and this world is not all it is, there's a reason why Paul was executed. There's a reason why Jesus himself, it says that the reason they hated him was very simple because he testified that their works were evil. Now, it's interesting, this verse six, therefore Jesus told them, my time is not yet here for you. Any time will do. The word secular, which is a word we use a lot when referring to the world in the Christian world, uh, is the word secular. Now in the 80s, that meant uh, any band that wasn't Petra, I guess. Like, is there, it, was, it was really quite simple. Is it Christian or is it secular? Did anybody grow up in that world? Like, is it secular? And then, and then at some point, some guy comes to the church and, uh, and plays the, the, the record backwards. You remember that, Jim? And, and it, it said Satan. Like, I don't, I don't think it did. It just said, just, whoa. <laughs> but anyway. And then at some point, we, had, we burned all our, our records and then... Then you went to college and you bought them all back from the $5 CD rack at the, at the thrift store. <laughs> Secular versus Christian has no, is very little to do right, with the content or the lyrical content. 
and it has everything to do with the worldly mindset behind it. But the word secular itself, this is what is fascinating, is actually a Latin word. It comes from the word seculum. Seculum, which means it's an age, it's a specific beginning and an end. It was used in Christian Latin to mean the world as opposed to the church. But here's why that is worth noting. These ancient people that used this word were saying something really, really, really profound that we have missed, and that is that secular has nothing to do with the way that the music is divided at Walmart. It's, it is a now-ism. This world is it. It is now. That, that, that's why secular was, it's now. So when Jesus says that, uh, you guys, for you, any time will do. But I have a specific time. You see, Jesus was brought to us from outside of time, outside of space. For you, any time will do. But for me, I need the time. And when you live like that, when you refuse to shut up when there's something true. You see, that study that I showed you from Cato Institute, secularists, leftism, it's almost 77% of them are not afraid to speak what's on their mind. Seventy-seven percent, seventy-five, something like that percent are not afraid to say what they believe and what they feel. Seventy-seven percent of us, if you're a Jesus follower, are afraid. Seventy-five percent of them are not afraid. And meanwhile, a young lady in Iowa is paying the consequences because no one has spoke up sooner to her mom or to her family's life. And brothers and sisters, we got to do better than that. We get to do better than that. I'm literally in a room surrounded by warriors. I'm what was known as preaching to the choir. Because I know that, and I just want to encourage you that that is, you're going to be hated. You just have to get over it. Matthew 6, blessed are you who are persecuted because of righteousness' sake. He's saying, because you're righteous, because I believe that God designed us as one man, one naturally born man, one naturally born woman, that that was God's design for marriage from the beginning. They're going to hate us for that. And it's a hateful thing. The hate is because it challenges the very power of the structures of government, the structures of society, the structures of culture, to say that there is something from outside of our time that gets to tell us what is right and what is wrong. Do you understand how hopeless it would be if it wasn't like that? If, if God tells me, hey, Darren, you can be whoever you want to be. Just look inside your heart. Do you know what I would have been? Eight years old, I would have bought a semi-truck, a chimpanzee, and fought crime. <laughs> By 16, I would have surgically altered myself to look like Bon Jovi. <laughs> I, I can't make this as a, a, a definite whatever statement, but I would say that if we're looking for one of the challenges, young people, listen to me, one of the challenges 
that's causing the anxiety and the fear and the depression in our young people is telling you, be whoever you want to be. You know how exhausting that is? How terrible. What if I get it wrong? What if I, I don't know? I, I'm, I'm this and I'm that. And I'm, there's one of the, statistically speaking, the, the largest uh, sexual identity group in America right now is bisexual. And you know why that is? Because I can't get it wrong. I get to choose both of them. But if my design comes from outside of me, if my design is, is actually explained to me here, that is firm, and there are thousands of years of human history that stand and prove that this is who you were created to be, a child of God, God, someone that God loved so much that he would send his only son, someone whose sin is so bad that nothing short of the death of son of God, the son of God would save you, but someone who is so loved that he did it gladly, that is a self-identity that the world can't give us. And it's your identity. Well, we gotta go. (laughs) The hope of the world, the hope of the world. The world, the works of the world, work, 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 work. Do this right, you're in, do this wrong, you're all the way out. And then we get to decide when you get to come back in, you apologize, well, not good enough, so we're gonna make you do more. Turns into the hatred of the world, which is that from inside this this book, from inside the Jesus who resurrected from the dead, designed and gets to say, this is how life is supposed to be. They're gonna hate that. But their only hope is to Embrace that the work of God is to believe on the one who sent, who he sent in Jesus. It says, after his brothers left for the festival, Jesus then went to the festival, not in public, but in private. This festival was called the Festival of Tents. It was basically a giant Jewish camping trip. Millions of people would descend on Jerusalem and they would live in tents. It was like the RV life before Instagram. And they would come to, to celebrate, to commemorate how God kept them alive in the desert for 40 years. And the way that he kept them alive was manna from heaven. But also there was a moment where Moses took a staff and struck a rock And from that rock, water flowed. In fact, in Numbers, it says that that rock followed them in the desert. I don't know how that worked, but that's what happened. That's the festival that Jesus was going to. And in just a few verses, spoiler, we're going to get there next week. He's going to stand up and say, all you who are thirsty, come unto me. He was bruised for your iniquities, crushed. The chastisement of my sin is upon him. And so it's no longer about the works of the world, it's the work of God. And all I have to do is believe on that and let it not modify my behavior, but transform who I am. The works of the world is all about behavior modification. But the work of the Father is all about heart transformation. 
And when your heart is being transformed, your behavior transforms along with it. That's the gospel. That is the hope of the world. And what you're gonna find out the longer you're alive is the hope, if our hope is in this world, is to get it right. We're always gonna come up short. But if the hope of the world is Jesus got it right, and he is going to come, return, that is his promise, that he is going to return. And until he returns, we occupy. Until he returns, you and I, brothers and sisters in Jesus, in love, not quarrelsome, not anger, not fear, not rage, but as redeemed, as loved, as uh, saved, righteous children of God, we can stand in the public square, we can stand in this building, we can stand in your homes or in your schools and declare the truth. And yeah, you might lose your job. And yeah, you might get mean things said about you on Twitter. But you are blessed. Blessed are you who are persecuted for righteousness sake. What a, what a privilege that Jesus would trust us with that. What an honor. Is it too big of a price to pay? They were mean to me. I know too many people that have been imprisoned in other countries that have experienced a relationship with Jesus in a way that is, I've never experienced here. I don't know what the future of this country is. What I hope it is, is that a bunch of Jesus people here and at Thompson Station Church, we were, we rise up not to dominate this country. We rise up and let the Holy Spirit wash all over this place and all over this country and see if there's something that he's called us to do to bring us back to Jesus.